Welcome to the 151st episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we will be talking about it today. We are recording on October... It is the 12th, 2019. My name is Brad Galloway. I am the editor of GameCritics.com, and I am 50% of this here show... Now, this is the part where I usually introduce Corey Motley as my co-host, but if you listen to the last episode, then you know that Corey is taking a leave of absence from recording. He is fine, he's well, nothing wrong, just taking a break, you know, life. Uh, he will return at some point in the future, but for now, I am very happy, ecstatic, one might say, to introduce my new regular co-host to the So Video Games podcast, Carlos Rodella. Hey, it's me. It's Carlos. Carlos, you and I know each other in real life, um, off the internet. We, we live fairly close to each other uh, geographically. Um, we've met many times. Uh, and we have also recorded many podcasts together in the past. Now, folks, I know that some of you are Carlos fans. I know for a fact that some of you are <laughs> Carlos fans uh, because I was just speaking to uh, our favorite mailman with Calves of Steel uh, who we will get to in a second. Um, and he was saying that he found my show, or our show, Corey and I's show, because he was formerly a fan of you. And so, like, it's kind of come full circle that now you are on this show. So we're all kind of, like, in the big podcast circle together. The podcast circle of life, I guess, it is as a it podcast was. circle of life, yes. yeah. So, Carlos, um, for people who don't know, though, I'm sure that there's many people who don't know who you are. Um, you were the host of Video Game Break, which was a great show that I was on many times. Um, but you've also done like a million other things. Like you're like Mr. Social Media. You're like on. You have like a thousand podcasts. You've done some TV. <laughs> um, you know, you're not just like some rando off the street. So like, how about um, we just take a few minutes here uh, before we launch into games and such, and let's just introduce you to the folks. Would you mind telling them a little bit about yourself? Totally. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you for those kind words. And um, anybody who has listened to me or watched me on the internets. Um, I'm glad to be joining Brad again. Like you said, we did do um, kind of co-host all the time on Video Game Break, and that was a great time. We did that for two and a half years, I think, I did the show for, and I think you joined me for, I don't know, 20 of those episodes Pre or something? Pretty good chunk of it, yeah. We did, yeah. A, we did a number of episodes. So that was really fun. Uh, that's something I started when I came back to Seattle in 2014 or 15, um, I've been all over the place. It would take too long to go through all of it, but the general idea is I've kind of started in video, uh, did a lot of stuff with GameSpot and tech companies in San Francisco, PC Worlds, if Davis, um, and then did uh, came back to Seattle, did Video Game Break. And I've, yeah, dabbled in lots of things like TV pilots and stand-up comedy and hosting shows. And currently, I work for Midwinter, which is a, a game developer. Uh, basically, a lot of us people who were in the gaming press jumped over and went to game developer uh, and kind of saw the other side of things. Um, I have a lot of friends from like the EGM days and 1UP days that have done the same thing, and it's been really fun. Um, so that's my current job as I do video, social media marketing for Midwinter, and we're working on a game called Scavengers. Uh, and then I'm, uh, I have the A Lot of Things podcast, which some of you know me from, which morphs and changes all the time because I think it basically reflects who I am. Um, and I'm starting that back up really soon, too. So, yeah. Excellent. That's Excellent. me. That is you. That is you. That is Carlos in a very small nutshell. I know that, of course, you are more than the sum of your parts. You know, there's many, many dimensions to, to Mr. Carlos Rodella, which we will get to know 
over the course of however long this show runs. So we're going to get to that know you. True. We're going to do all sorts of episodes, lots of Q&A. We're going to be very good friends. The the audience will also be our good friends, and we'll all just be happy together. So oh, um, Also, by the way, yeah. I play every single video game. Yeah, <laughs> which will be a great addition to the show because we talk about video games here. Isn't that that's weird? Cool. Oh, that's funny. It is so strange that that happened. Okay. Um, so, Carlos, thank you for filling us in. Um, and also, uh, just before we get things off the ground here, thank you very much for being willing to step in. I know that um, Corey leaving the show, although he is fine, it was kind of a last minute, you know, not really premeditated uh, move for him. And so I wasn't really sure what I was going to do. Uh, I was considering doing the super full of myself monologue i didn't entertain that idea for very long and i was like well I, it's going to be a lot of work to find a new guest every week and so i was really in a pickle so thank you very much for coming aboard and it's it's great to just talk to you again because uh you know you're a great guy positive guy you play all the games like you said and i think uh this will be this will be good good time oh yeah i bring the optimism for sure like i i love every game i mean i don't okay, i don't love every game but i just like um experiences and new experiences and I look at new games as that. So, like, even if things get janky or weird, I kind of, like, look at the kind of positive side of it most of the time. And then that's where we have kind of a difference, which is fun. And I think that's uh, that's going to be a fun thing to explore. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think um, – I, so I know, I know how you go, and I love your enthusiasm. I think that's one of the best things about you, and I'm, I'm really excited to get a different perspective on some of the games. And you know me. Like, I love games. I love being positive, but I'm also not afraid to, like, you know – tell things how i see them and oh yeah if i think something's shitty man i will i will let everybody know that i think it's shitty so this is i love it and when you do that like it actually helps me kind of think of new ways of thinking things so i i'd I'd like the dichotomy yeah yeah this is gonna be good this is gonna be good so speaking of dichotomy also now if anybody who's listened to the show before knows that uh that i I am the straight guy and Corey was the gay guy on the show so we all we have like a good like kind of a queer influence on certain things sometimes we got a different perspective now carlos are you straight is that what's going down i am Okay, yeah. so I feel like the show is a little bit off balance. Would you consider being gay for a while while we recorded? I can think about it, yeah. Okay. yeah. And also, I'm open, listen, I'm open <laughs> to, to experiences, to new things. We could have that be a whole other podcast. Uh, so let's just say I'm, I'm, I'm uh, okay to uh, explore, and that can uh, balance it out. All right, Carlos is questioning for this first episode, and we'll see how it <laughs> <Okay>. goes. <laughs> Thank you for playing along with my stupid joke, by the way. <laughs> I'm, I'm into it, dude. Any, I'm yes and. That's yeah, what I'm uh, yeah. <laughs> yes and is the best. Okay, good, good, good. All right, enough banter. Um, so one thing that's not going to change about the show is we're not going to front load it with a bunch of bullshit. I think that over the course of recording so many games, we eventually got into a pretty good groove, and I'm pretty sure that most of our listeners don't like a lot of banter. I mean, we save the banter for the end if we have any at all, but we're not doing that now. We're just doing a new show, getting a new thing off the ground. So let's just stick with what works, and we're going to talk about games. Carlos, are you on board, sir? I am ready to do games. All right. Since you are the new co-host and the new person of the show, let's start off with you. Um, I'm looking at the script. We got a lot of stuff on deck this week. Let's start with the very first game, uh, something that was a last-minute addition to the script, Sand Carving Road. Where did you play this, and what the hell is it? (laughs) Yeah, I thought we'd start with it because it won't take very long, but um, I definitely go through Steam and every single day pretty much and look at all the new releases and the stuff that's like a dollar 17 um things that are in mandarin which i think this one is uh just things that are weird i'm all about trying and paying for and downloading so this was one of those it was just uh like kanji and i didn't know what it said so i took the kanji and threw it into translate 
uh, Google Translate, and it just said sand carving road. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what that means. And also, I, I did the developer name, and I put that in Google Translate, and it, it just turned into Uncle. The developer's name is Uncle, and Uncle Maybe? has created sand carving road. So was there even pictures? Like, what even caught your attention about this yeah. besides the kanji or whatever? That's why I downloaded it, is because essentially it was uh, this guy in a skateboard going down this road. Ah, sand carving. Oh, so is he carving, like, in, like, like the surfing sense or something? No, he isn't doing it. I, oh, I, yeah, I guess so. Yeah, that does make even more sense. Um, he's basically a skateboarder, but he's walking on his skateboard. There was cats. There was 2D stuff with 3D stuff. It just didn't make any sense. So I had to check it out. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't make any sense now. Okay, so what happened? <laughs> uh, so you download this thing for like $1.17, random roll of the dice. Like, what the fuck is it? What is it? Well, actually, before I get started, I read the reviews, and the reviews that I also translated. <laughs> <laughs> and the review, the first review I got was, a road travel story of four wastes on the road. Okay. The second review I translated was because this game is hard to say what features, it seems to be rubbish. It is really rubbish to play, but come on slowly. Okay. Okay. I'm, I'm getting some potential here. All right. Hold on. Hold on. It gets to, here's my biggest potential with the uh, review. Okay. This one says game type, leisure, sand sculpture, and tourism. 40% mild RPG, 30% puzzle, 30% battle, and turned into 99% to one percent no problem at all well i love that that person was so specific that's amazing that they did that like really detailed breakdown i mean which, I which is kind of selling me right now well they're not wrong so the game is essentially you're a character on a skateboard but you don't ride on the skateboard you walk on the skateboard so as you're walking the skateboard's moving but you're walking on top of the skateboard it so doesn't make i sense. don't understand so the, the skateboard is on the ground and it has wheels like a normal skateboard but you are walking on the surface of the skateboard and then as you were on the skateboard then the entire you plus the skateboard is moving yes all that's correct except there's no wheels on the skateboard okay okay so you're okay you have unconventional transportation then then what do you do so you have two moves one is basically like interactive stuff the other is oh there's three moves one interactive stuff two uh, do this kind of breakdance move on the skateboard, which also kind of kicks things okay and then you can also jump so like really kind of like an ollie um, Basically, it's madness. I, I don't know if it's like an art experiment or whatever, but there's 2D cats flying around. There's a teleporter. There's coins that do something. Uh, at some point, I found a girl. This is pretty cool. And she was just on a bench, and I was talking to her in, of course, you know, Chinese. And uh, I just picked an option, and she got with me on the skateboard. And so then now she was joining me on the skateboard. And then we found a lake. And I just, I don't know, I hit interact with the lake and she left the skateboard and she's like, thanks, this is my stop. So I'm you, getting off at this lake. Like a crazy taxi, sort of a ride seeming, you're yeah, like, a, like yeah, the Uber but, of wheelless skateboards? <laughs> I guess so. It, there's no, it, it makes no sense. There was a, a guy stuck in a rock and I was like trying to get him out of it. We would do my breakdance moves, but then I killed him. You know, <laughs> Oops. I don't. Oh, sorry. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I felt bad about that. I, I'll just say this one thing. The cool thing about it is, and I wouldn't mind more games in the U.S. being like this, is that multiple breaking up of genres, because I couldn't put my finger on what it was, even though I couldn't understand a lot of it. But I will say that at some point, I thought I'd got the figuring out of the game. Like, it's this exploratory game. It's kind of like you said, a crazy taxi. You pick up people. You're talking to people. But then I found this house 
that had this um, large bicycle, for some reason, on the front of it. And it just looked weird, so I was walking over to it. And there was two guys there, and they just started shooting at me. And as soon as they started shooting at me, my character picked up my skateboard, and it turned into an action game where I had to hit them with the skateboard. Wow. I mean, this is kind of like a wild ride, dude. I mean, I, I'm kind of curious about this now. I wasn't going to buy it, but now that we're talking about it. <laughs> wild ride, that's a pun intended. Exactly, exactly. Wild ride that, on Sand Carving Road. That's all I have to say about it. I just thought I'd bring it up because I think people should check out Steve Moore and look for these weird things because some of it kind of, even if not like fun, <laughs> can inform like um, new ways of thinking about how games can be, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you this then. I mean, I'm definitely all about that. I love cross-genre experiments. I love interesting things. I love taking a gamble. I mean, playing a game that I don't know anything about is really interesting, and it's even better when it turns out to be good. I don't know if this one is good, but I definitely know about, like, rolling dice. That's something I enjoy doing. But do you feel like you got your uh, your dollar seventeens worth or whatever? <laughs> I don't know. By the way, I don't know if it was dollar seventeen. I picked that number out of the air. I should looked it up. But like you like you do on the show, I didn't do any research. We don't do research on this show. There's yeah, no yeah. research happening on this show at all. It could all. be a dollar seventeen, it could have been seventeen. I don't think it was seventeen dollars, but it could have been a lot more. I, I think it was worth it, obviously, because I didn't pay much. But it wasn't like in quotes fun. It was just very interesting and weird. But sure, I like that. Sure. Yeah. Interesting is not always fun, but I think interesting is always good, <laughs> even if it's not fun. So Yeah. All right, that is uh, apparently sand carving road according to google translate i guess um if you like how did like if somebody wants to find this how would they find it like if you typed in sand carving road on steam do you think that would come up probably not oh, right i could look right now but i think that also if you just go to um you know steam and do the new releases mm -hmm. like you're if you keep if you go enough you'll find it All let right. me just let me just see that hold on sand carving road oh no that doesn't do anything sand carving road on google just goes to a bunch of sand carving uh, devices well i tell you what how about you like maybe take a screenshot of like the title card or something and i can post it in the show notes and maybe if anybody wants to know then at least they'll have a visual reference as to what it is okay done done all right moving on now this is one this is an interesting one because i think the embargo is still up but by the time the show comes out the embargo will be down so we're going to do that little thing where we talk about it and it's fine and it's actually secretly not fine, but it will be fine by the time <laughs> this show goes up. So I feel like we're doing something a little dirty here. Uh, Frostpunk, PS4 is what you're playing. This was a very popular game on PC. Um, pretty big hit. I don't know much about it other than like it's really cold and you're doing like some kind of sim stuff or something, trying to stay alive in this frozen world or something. Carlos, tell us about Frostpunk and specifically tell us about how it runs on PS4. Yeah, so um, are you aware of how long it was on PC before it came to console? I mean, a while, like what, one or two years or something? I'm not... Uh... Yeah, I think a while. Yeah, a while, a while. And I had missed it then, and you know how Steam has a million games, so I missed it, and I like the idea of it, and I love um, post-apocalyptic, cold, the game that I'm working on at work is that. Oh, that's true, um, that's true, yeah. That's yeah, true. so it's, it's my wheelhouse for the kind of um, feel and weirdness of the... Um, kind of the, the setting uh and i like things on ps4 uh as people will get to know on the show i'm a ps4 person i really spend so much time on there uh, i like being in front of my big tv and having a great you know experience with a controller so i was excited to try this on playstation and it didn't disappoint it's a very bleak game these are the people who made um this war of mine oh okay what is their name yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You keep talking. Oh. I'm gonna look up their studio name. You look up their name. So they uh, they know how to do really depressing stuff, and also realistic stuff. So the setting is you're um, you know people who are trying to survive this world that's very very frozen and cold, and you find this little area to set up a new city or town, and it's essentially like post-apocalyptic cold Sim City. So you're trying to build a little town slash city for your um, survivors to make it. And then you want to gather resources and you have to power up your generator, which your generator is basically everything. It's like life, because if you don't power up that, then, you know, everybody can die. Um, and then as you do that, you know, you kind of upgrade stuff. You make houses, tents, uh, hunters houses. So you can have hunters go out and find food. And then as you get further, there's like a technology tree and all this kind of like branching paths that you want to pick for like a normal sim game. Like where do you want to go with the technology to have um, your little society make it? So this is basically like like just like a sim city city builder. Like you don't have a character or anything like that, right? You're just... Um, no, no, no. Yeah, it's like, sim city okay. in the cold. So like you're doing like uh, like top down, just looking at a big map, placing buildings, yep. et cetera, et cetera. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and the right analog stick works great um, to look around and all the like... Um, uh, radio menus are very good on, on PlayStation, so it's pretty easy to just click something like the generator or a house or something and kind of just see things you can do with it. Um, building roads is very, very easy uh, with the controller. Uh, but yeah, the, the big thing about this game is it's super depressing, obviously, because these people are all, you know, you get there and no one has a place to sleep, right? It's like freezing. So the first thing you do is make tents and each person you can actually click on you remember Watch Dogs did that where you could click on everything? Oh, yeah. Person? Everybody's got like a little like two-line summary of their life story or something. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so it actually feels more real here than in Watch Dogs because it's also depressing and you're all – you care about each person, you know, because you really do want everybody to have a home and not be sick and stuff. So I clicked on um, uh, a person and it said, this place has no – this person has no place to live. And it just made me like, oh, crap, I better get on this. You know, does I felt he, bad. Does each person have like, a, like, like, tell me about the scale of this because I've seen pictures and it just looks like, like snow in a couple buildings. So it's really hard to get a sense of how it is. But like, you're talking about these people. Is there like a small number of citizens? Like, is there maybe like 20 citizens where you get to yeah. know them each? Or is it like, like SimCity where there's just like dots on a screen? Like how? I don't know. What is yeah, the relationship? It's, about, it's definitely smaller than a SimCity. So it's not dots. You can see them. You can't see them super close up, but you can see them animate and move around and go into the snow to collect resources. Uh, and if you don't build roads or like kind of just pushing through the snow and you're again feel sad for them um, so you could see them moving around and stuff like that and yeah I think there was like 50 or 60 people I had in the beginning and uh, the idea is that you can go find more so there's more people out there and you try to rescue them at some point so that's another part of this game but in the beginning yeah there's like 50 people and it goes you go to the city information hub and it goes 50 people are homeless right and until you get those tents made they're going to stay that way so i made the tents and then i still had like 10 homeless and i was like well i don't have any more resources so you guys got to sleep on the floor tonight right and, right. and that you know and also when you click on someone it talks about their family if they have family there so they kind of assign people like little families and one person it just said no family alone in this world <laughs> <laughs> and i was like fuck 
That is. It's <laughs> a little sad. melodramatic, but okay, I yeah, get the yeah, point. Yeah. I get. So, so you're you're playing this game. You're you're setting up buildings. You're collecting resources. I mean, is it is it one of those games where basically you're just like trying to like optimize and min max, like oh the path to my coal mine is as short as it can possibly be, and that's going to get coal to my thing faster. Like, I, I I don't play a lot of these games because I feel like they're just mostly about systems, and I don't really find that too interesting. Like, do you really feel like like, is there a story? Do you feel involved with these people at all? Or is it just more of like, oh, I'm just making the best city possible? No, no, no. It definitely doesn't feel that way because, you know, I can get bored of those kind of games pretty quickly. Um, just like this war of mine, you start feeling for the characters, even though there's these teeny little things running around, you can hardly even see them animate. But I don't feel like that at all. Like the first time I put the generator on at night, it like the steam kind of pushes out, you know, and I almost like felt the warmth for them. I was like... Oh, now they can, now they could be warm, you know. And I saw a little kid like playing, and I clicked on him, and it said like kids playing. And I'm like, holy shit, that's great. Like, you know, I, I feel like there's a lot more. You get more invested in this for some reason. And then also, the other part of this game is there's laws. So you actually make laws, and the first law you make is like overtime, because you're like, listen, people, we got to work harder and longer, or we're not going to survive. And then you have like a cooldown. And when you can make a new law and then you make a new law and then the second law is like uh, extended work period or whatever. And then some of the laws are like child labor laws. Oh, I've heard about this. I heard a lot of people yeah. making a big deal about, oh, do you make your kids work or you don't? But they're there. I mean, there's 50 people. We all have to survive. Right. And it made me like rethink that idea, you know, based on the situation you're in. And then there's weird ones like soup additives. Like, do you add weird stuff to your soup to make it last longer? <laughs> like, what can you add to your soup? I don't. I haven't got that far. I just oh, see it okay. on the menu. And then there's a cemetery corpse disposal. It just feels like they really go to town on like, these are the sad things about life, um, and you got to decide them now. So it forces your hand to kind of like um, feel instead of just building stuff. Are you a character in this, or are you just like the ever-present like God Force or whatever? Like, do you have an actual person that you're playing as? No, yeah, you're a god force as much as far as I know. Okay. I, there's there's story and like really great art and really cool like kind of cutscene moments. Not I shouldn't say cutscene, but little pop ups of art. You know, uh -huh. um, like one time an action happened, and kind of an incident. An exclamation point just showed up, and it said like this woman has a problem. She can't find her family. Can you go do this thing and you know find her family? And so like it showed like this cool art there, but it didn't show me. So gotcha. just it's like you're just taking care of this city somehow. I mean, it sounds it sounds okay. I don't know that this is necessarily my thing because I I really don't play a lot of these like building city strategy games. So, so something about it just doesn't really often click with me. I need some kind of an in. But I mean, I mean, how are you liking it overall so far? And would you recommend it to people who are like fans of this genre, or do you think that anybody could get into this? Um, I think it'd be helpful if you're a fan of the genre. Okay. Uh, if you like SimCity stuff, you'll immediately be like trying to figure out which skill tree to go up and stuff like that. But I think if you're that type of person, you're still going to be taken aback by the situation. And it'd be, I'd be, I think you'd be hard pressed not to start feeling for the characters in the situation because it definitely makes you feel that part of it. So that story element um, bleeds through. And so that's what got, has me interested and I'm still going to keep playing it because I want to see where the in quote story goes. Because there are campaign modes and stuff like that where you can just play to play. But I am in the technical story mode. So is there an ending to this? I don't know. 
but it'd be really cool if there was because just recently there's no more homeless people in my town right and like i feel like that's a you know how when you play a game you already make your own story up sometimes sure sure so this is kind of that it's like okay you know that one kid was playing that one time and now people are starting to be happier in the town and oh look there's no homeless people anymore and then they add their own little story bits so it makes me want to see where it goes so yeah i'm 100 percent gonna try to in quotes finish it and i can update you on on another episode one last question before we move on from this um one thing that i i don't like about these games which i think um probably explains why i don't play them because i think it's probably a a real central part of the genre is like i don't like when you set up um a city or something like a little system gets going you've got your people chopping wood and then you're burning the wood and then everybody's fine and it's just like this little happy circle going and then like something happens like a lightning storm happens and it blows up your town or like oh yeah you know like there's inevitably like some disaster that comes and fucks things up whenever you get to like a nice little level of stability and that I mean, it, like, pisses me off, dude. Like, I, I just don't like it, um, which is probably, again, why I don't probably play a lot of these. Um, like, the last one I think I tried was Jurassic Park War- Evolution. Oh, yeah. Evolution. Yeah, and yeah. I'm like, oh, I like Jurassic Park. I like dinosaurs. And I'll set up my park. And, like, you know, a tornado comes through and fucks up my whole town. And I'm like, fuck this. I'm done with this. Like, I'm not going to rebuild yep. it. You know? So I hate when that happens. Is that is that this game? Is it, like, do weird, like, does an ice storm happen? Or do you, like, all of a sudden run out of food or something like that? A little bit, and I haven't seen enough of it, right? So okay. Okay. I'm not far, far enough in, but I will say that one thing already is happening is that it says it's going to get, you know, much colder tomorrow. And when it does, which is shitty, but is true, the insides of houses are going to be colder too, which means you've got to burn that generator on overdrive or something. So, yeah, there's like, I'm sure the cold is going to become a problem in a lot of different ways. I don't know if there's going to be a, like attacks and other things like that. Um, if there is, and I can see them doing it, it will definitely make me maybe not want to finish it either because you do get frustrated because you built up so much, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'll have to update you on that. I feel like if there's too many of those things, I will be out. But um, if they give me just enough, you know, to string me along to make me feel like I'm making a difference, then I think it will be a really good experience. Good to know. Yeah, it's a fine balancing act because a little bit of struggle, a little bit of adversity is good. But like, I mean, some people really thrive on that. But I, I don't like to like getting knocked back to zero and starting over, or you know, like really putting in overtime to rebuild things that I already had. That's just me. That's my personal foible. But I know a lot of people dig that. But anyway, yeah, yeah. We will um check back with you about Frostpunk, which I looked up as you were talking. Eleven Bit Studios, who yes, also put right. out uh, this War of Mine and several several other games. They're a publisher, but I guess they also develop their own stuff. So, uh, once again, Frostpunk on PS4 sounds maybe not like my thing, but we will follow up and see how it goes. Oh, one, one more thing before yeah, we leave yeah, that. Yeah. Um, there's a quote from the game, like these little quotes that um, happen on menus and stuff. And one of the quotes is, working, over t- working overtime for too long will make people discontented. And I was like, yeah, no shit. Yeah, it's, that's just real life. Are they talking about real that's, life? <laughs> I know. I think they are. That was a developer quote who's like, yeah, I'm sick of working on this game. So. <laughs> oh. All right, moving on, moving on. I will take the reins here. I want to talk about blasphemous on the switch now before we talk about this carlos just as a a quick update about you now i know you said you're like mr ps4 um but you also play steam do you have any other consoles in the house like what do you what are you rocking at your house i'm in between because basically i'm not getting a new xbox um i don't have an xbox or switch right now i have steam and ps4 i'm getting uh switch light 
uh, probably in November. And basically because I travel a lot, so it's perfect for that. And so I'll have that in November so I can talk about Switch games then. And then I'm waiting the Xbox because uh, it's just so tough because the new console is coming out next year. Yeah, you might as well wait, dude. If you don't have one by now, forget it. I mean, just wait. I mean, I've had one. It's just I don't have one right now. I had a janky one. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. So I'm basically PS4, Steam, and then I will be Switch uh, in November. Good to know. Good to know. Okay, cool. Um, I am talking about Blasphemous, uh, which is on Switch. I believe it's also on PC. Uh, comes from developers called I want to say the the Game Bakers I believe let me double check that game yeah, sorry nope my bad the Game Kitchen I knew it was a food thing the game oh, it is, it's on Steam too okay good it's on Steam uh, this is a 2D I don't necessarily want to call it a Castlevania because although there is a teeny bit of Castlevania or like Metroidvania in it. Um, you're not really like getting a bunch of like different power-ups to open up levels. I mean, there's a touch of that, but basically it's like a 2D action game. Although there is like a Metroidvania style map, like a pretty extensive map, but you're kind of just like going through it in a combat sense. Um, pixel based. It is definitely influenced by Dark Souls. There's, um, save points, which kind of function like bonfires. Uh, there's a pretty grim atmosphere to the entire game pretty macabre um there is the storytelling absolutely is is inspired by dark souls because i don't know what's going on at all um you kind of play this person he has no name and he's called the penitent one um and this game takes a lot of inspiration from catholicism like real life catholicism there's a lot of imagery and a lot of connotations and a lot of theming that comes from um, Catholic and, and Christian religions. Um, not, you know, you don't, there's not going to be like a lot of Christ on the cross or anything, but like the concept of like original sin, of guilt, um, of, of, you know, making up for, for things that have happened um, constantly, like, you know, being on your knees and kind of like the whole self-flagellation, just like real, like kind of a self-hatred sort of a theme going on in this game. So an uplifting game. It's very happy. It's a yeah. feel-good game of the of the summer. Uh, <laughs> really enjoying it. Uh, but I think it works for it. So I think between the ca- the Catholic influence, the Dark Souls influence, and the, the Metroidvania influence, we're all kind of come together in a really nice kind of like little middle ground where all these things are kind of complementing each other well. Um, the storytelling definitely Dark Souls, where they just give you like a little bit, and you can read item descriptions. There is mega item descriptions in this game. If you like that, this is your jam. I don't like that at all. I don't read the descriptions. Does uh, it help like fill out the world and stuff like that? I mean, if you read them, I guess maybe, but a lot of it is referring to stuff that I don't really know what it's about, and they keep talking about like the miracle. That's like something that happened in this game, and it's hard to tell whether the miracle was good or bad. I kind of feel like maybe it was both. And so Mm. everybody in the world is kind of like, oh, when the miracle happened, like this changed for me or this happened. And so the the world state when you get there is terrible. Like everybody's like starving or sick and there's like monsters and it's just really gross. And like overall, the the tone of the game is really dark. Like um, you meet like, okay, for, for example, when you meet NPCs in this world, you don't know whether they are a boss or an NPC at first. Like it's like everybody's kind of scary looking um like the lady that gives you health increases she looks like um like a a painting of like a catholic saint like like a hardcore one back in the day not the ones that have like cleaned up for like the new modern day religion like you know like (laughs) i live um 
in my in my town here in in Ballard, uh, Seattle, we have like a couple churches that are kind of like upbeat. Like, hey, you work at Microsoft, you got a lot of money, and you go to the gym on Sunday. Come to this, you know, this is church, and let's worship, and it's cool and fun, and you'll meet people. This is not that. This is like, yeah, hey, you're a fucking sinner and you're terrible, and if you don't come to this church, you're gonna burn in hell forever, and you're probably gonna burn in hell forever anyway. Like it's that kind of a church. So you might as well go to church. Yeah, yeah. Well, you might as well not, right? Yeah, exactly. You so, might as well not. so like, there's this the the lady that gives you life ups. She's like a saint from like that old school kind of Catholicism and imagery, where she's got like nine swords like stabbed through her torso, and she's like eternally what? she's like eternally bleeding. And so when you see her, the first time I saw her, I'm like, oh, fuck, is this a boss or what's going on? No, no, she gives you, like, a health upgrade. She's, <laughs> she's like, like no, that's normal. Those swords are always there. Don't worry about it. Absolutely. There's, like, there's like another NPC guy you talk to. He's, like, made of, like, salt because he had too much pride or something like that. Like, I'm not a, I'm not a super religious person, so I don't know, like, all of the influences. I'm sure that a lot of this stuff is a specific callback to something that I don't. Well, that's you know. Sodom and Gomorrah. If it's he's made of salt. Okay, so probably that could be that. Yeah. Um, there's know. there's a couple other things like and everybody you meet is uh, there's always like blood. There's always like pain. There's always like I'm really sorry. Tons Wait, of regret. Hold on. Yeah. So so much darkness. So much blood. So much uh, you know yeah. religious stuff, which it all scares me. Like I'm scared of this game by your description. Uh, and then you say it's, uh, you know, Castlevania, Metrovania type game. Uh, is it fun? You know, that's the weird fucking thing about this game, Carlos. Because uh, when I first started playing this game, I wasn't really sure what to make of it. Like, it, it's it's got a, a statement. It's got an identity. It doesn't look exactly like anything else out there. I mean, your character looks fucking weird. He's got a mask. Like, okay, so here's the first thing that happens. You, you wake up in a pile of dead bodies. He puts on a mask, which is like a giant conehead mask. It looks fucking weird, and I didn't know what it was about. Um, but Mike Susky at Game Critics did the review for this game, and he did a little bit of research. And apparently that mask, which is like a metal face and this giant... It looks like you're wearing like a drill on your head, honestly. He said that's an actual thing. Like, I guess that's a thing from Spain. And it's hmm. it has a very specific religious purpose. It, you know, I, I don't know exactly what the purpose is, but it's a real thing. So he... Your character stabs like this monster all this blood comes pouring out of the monster he catches the blood in the mask and then he puts the mask on so like that's like a very strong opening statement to begin your game with right so like i'm like wow okay these guys are going places with this i start playing it and it's pretty good to play like i think the combat is actually really good um it's 2d like hack and slash you basically have a sword and the sword gets like a couple upgrades but like they're not really even worth talking about like it's just basically straightforward sword combat but the thing i like about it is you have um the ability to counter and they do a really good job of giving you a very wide window to counter so it feels like something that you can really get good at now i know a lot of people have faster reflexes than me i'm not the best player in the world and i know a lot of people like to parry and counter and that's a big thing in games i'm terrible at that because my reflexes are not fast enough but in this game i can do it like i can see the frames of animation coming i can time it right and so the feeling of being able to reliably counter is good. It makes every encounter feel like it's manageable. You have uh, a very specific feeling to the combat. So certain enemies you must dodge. Certain enemies you must counter. Certain enemies you must um, jump over. And like once you get a feel for the combat, it all feels very well put together. Very well balanced. Um, it's not out for your ass the way that some games are. Like It's not out there to kill you, although you will die a lot. But... Once you master the combat system, it feels very fair and balanced, which is what I like about it. That kind of got me into it. I like that. 
I was just going to ask, remember Salt and Sanctuary? Does it feel harder or easier than that? Um, I think Salt and Sanctuary is, is a terrible game. Did you like it or did you not like no, it? No, I did not like it. I thought it was garbage. Yeah, I thought Salt I'm, and Sanctuary was garbage also. I did not like it. This feels easier to play and easier in general than that game. It is also a better okay. It is a better game than that. Yeah. By far. By far. Um, so, I like the combat a lot. I like the imagery. Like, it's definitely got a... Man, it's it's got a thing going on. Um, but then, after a while, I noticed that it also had this obsession with um, spikes. Spike pits and falling into spike pits and dying. And that was, like, a real turnoff for a while. So, I kind of put it away because I felt like there was just too much one-hit kills with spikes going on. Um, but, you know, I came back to it. And I just felt like I wanted to play it some more. And every time I put it down, whenever I get frustrated, I'm like, uh, I don't know if I actually do like this game. But I always come back to it. And, like, now hmm. I'm, like, maybe, like... 15 20 hours into it I, I, I do think it's really good game do you it, feel like you're getting close to the end i am more than halfway i'm probably three quarters okay. of the way through it um, wait but it, oh yeah because that's like that's still a long 2d type of game right yeah i mean it's probably at least at 20 25 hours or something like that i'm guessing depending on how if you get stuck or you know if you get lost or if you can't figure something out there's a few there's a lot of secrets in this game that they don't tell you about. Like, you just have to kind of figure them out. Um, there's a lot of items to find that that can solve a quest, but sometimes you don't even know that you have a quest. And you just have to, like, talk to people over and over and figure things out. It's it's kind of weird because it's not very welcoming and it's not very warm and approachable, but I don't feel like the developers had any bad intent. Like, I don't know if you have ever... If you can relate to this, but sometimes I'll play a game and I feel like the developers are just fucking with me. Like, I feel like they make these choices. <laughs> you know, you know I've heard saying? you say that on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you get these choices where it's like, it's obviously like a terrible choice where they want to just get you or they want to make you mad in this part or they want to do something yeah. that really just like fucks with you. I don't, I don't get that from this game. Like, I feel like these guys, the Game Kitchen, are making the game that they want to make. They know exactly what they want to do. It's certainly hard at some points, and there's certainly choices in here that I don't agree with, but in general, I do not feel like they're trying to get me. I feel like they are doing an honest effort and putting... I, I feel like it's, it's like one of those games where you play it, and you're like, you feel the love from the developer. Like, this game right. feels like they put their heart and soul into it. And so even in the places that I don't connect with it, I still connect with it overall because I feel what these guys are doing. And after being in it 15, 20 hours, like, I'm down. I, I think this game is a really good game. Um, it's not easy to love. It doesn't welcome you with open arms, but I think that if you stick with it, and if you like this kind of, you know, if you like the 2D, if you like the Metroidvania, if you like this, like, brutally graphic, like, bloody Catholic imagery, um, then this is, like, it's a pretty fucking good game. Well, I have two questions. Yeah, One, yeah. how's that checkpoint system, though? Checkpoint system is a little brutal. I, that's one of the things that uh. I'm not super crazy about. So you have, like, these uh, altars which function like bonfires. I gotta be honest with you, there's not enough of them, dude. I think that, I yeah. wish there were more. And sometimes it's not too bad. And as the game goes on, they're getting more, they're getting better and better. And they're very good about putting one before a boss. There's always one before a boss, which is the most important place to put one. So I appreciate that. But I will be very frank and say that I wish there was probably double the amount of checkpoints. So that is one issue that I don't love. Okay. Yeah. And then my second question was, is does the religious stuff finally like start wearing on you because for me i'm already out at the beginning of some of what you described <laughs> you know like the beginning oh yeah my helmet has blood in it let's go um that disturbs me and yeah i like silent hill i like horror games so let's not put that out there that carl doesn't like horror stuff on this uh, podcast but 
if it gets too religious-y, uh, man, it can really, you know, freak me out. Because, again, that's closer to home, closer to real-life stuff. Yeah. And if you're, like, just, like, you know, whipping yourself and um, – but if it's over the top, like, that lady having a bunch of swords in her, like, that's unrealistic. So that's like, oh, okay, you know. I mean, it's it's hard to say because they're not specifically referencing any aspect. I mean, I couldn't tell you, like, which branch of Christianity that they're – playing off of right but they're taking just like a lot of the general themes like a lot of like people being pierced by swords and blood and everybody having like eternal tears and the, i mean i mean i when i was a kid my mom took me to church all the time i am not a religious person i hated every minute of it and as soon as i was old enough to like when i was large enough that she couldn't force me to go physically i stopped going to church <laughs> right but i'm very familiar with that stuff and a lot of this is like definitely pinging some of those memories for me so right. i don't i don't think it's super religious like i don't feel like it's preaching to me at all like I, I feel like your character is trapped in this world where like everybody in the world is just kind of buying into this religion but it's not like it's giving me a message like at no point do i feel like they want me to convert to christ or anything it's just got it, like got it, got it. yeah it's just like yeah you know the the, the visuals i got to say though are very powerful like these guys have created some really unforgettable shit and this game looks like nothing else I have played maybe ever um, they just they have their own thing going on which I really like I mean some of it is really gross some of it is really graphic and some of it is really shocking but I'm like man they they are artists and they're committing to their, their themes oh man you okay now I'm kind of back on the train because you know if it's not if it is it's own world what it sounds like it's like it's taking these things from religion but it's making their own kind of world out of it like you said the miracle that happened but it's their own version of what that miracle is right so i'm kind of interested now it's it's like i want to recommend it to you or to other people but at the same time like it's it's kind of a tough play you have to be willing to put up with some frustration especially it's like it's weird because it gets easier as you go on like as you collect more life items as you get tougher you do a little bit more damage with your sword. Then, you you know, you, you survive longer. And then the, the difficulty kind of evens out. But in the beginning, it's kind of rough, man. Like, you're falling into right. one-hit kill pits. And the checkpoints are pretty far apart. And you don't know what's going on. Well, you got to... I mean, it, it takes a little bit of buy-in. It's not the easiest to recommend. But at this point, I really like it a lot. And I, I think I am liking it more and more as time goes on. Okay. Well, I'd like to see what you say when you finish it. And uh, if there's some sort of like weird story ending, it would be cool to, to, to find that out. And I might pick it up when I get my Switch Lite. Well, we will talk about it in the future. I will check back in once I finish it. I really do intend to finish it. So we will see, we will see what happens. But enough of, enough of Blasphemous on the Switch. Um, let's turn it back over to you, Carlos. I talked about Greedfall maybe two episodes ago. Uh, the developer had sent me a copy of the game to talk about it on the show, and I was happy to do that. But one thing that I... I'm, maybe you're like this, maybe not, but when it hits uh, fourth quarter, I don't want to play any really big RPG because there's just too many games coming out. Like, you can't commit. If I started to play Greedfall, and I liked it, what I, I mean, I don't know if you heard that episode or not, but I liked it a lot. I, did. I, I thought it was good, and I want to play some more. But if I was to play Greedfall, I wouldn't play anything else for like the next month. And there's so many games coming out, I can't afford to do that. So I dipped in, I gave it a thumbs up, and I dipped out. But I'm going to come back to it, you know, like in January when things cool off. But you have played a lot more Greedfall than I have, correct? I have played so much of it that I've beaten it. Okay, excellent, excellent. So let's go back into Greedfall. Um, give us a really quick recap for people that maybe missed that episode or people who don't know. And then tell us uh, what you think. Yeah, this game is really good. 
And I heard that episode you were talking about. It. I was very happy that you enjoyed it. And by the way, side note, um, I don't think we've talked about it on a podcast before, but we both love Elix. Oh, man. Yeah. Okay. So we should probably talk about Elix. Maybe not on this show, but I will bring yeah, it back up because I'm going to dip back in. I love Elix. Elix is so good, Elix right? I love Elix, too. Yeah. yeah. So good. And so I, good. I, there's so much stuff. We've talked about this on Video Game Break, but like, um, I think you call it Eurojank or something. Absolutely. Double A um, like RPGs, action RPGs that kind of miss people's radars. And they're usually in my favorite games. I love those games, dude. That is yeah. that is one of my favorite kind of game. Oh, I love them so much. So uh, this is similar to that, but like you so eloquently put on the podcast, um, I think it's better in a lot of different ways because it is it's polished. It's by Spiders, who I love. They did this game called Technomancer, which also was pretty janky, but also pretty amazing because it was doing a lot of new things. Uh, and I like when RPGs do uh, different things. And Greedfall is essentially 17th century uh, inspired, um, medievally kind of, it's about to be the new uh, technology. You could see like industry starting, right? Like um, there's lamp posts, but they're not fully, you know, electric. Uh, there's beautiful costumes. And then there's also this island that is full of magic and monsters. So essentially your story is you take up um, a character, Desardes, and that character, uh, woman or man, you pick in the beginning, customization, uh, is part of kind of royalty, kind of part of this um, elite class, and is a go-between go for a lot of the different factions in the game. So your job is kind of a lofty one. You kind of go around and talk to people about, you know, the state of things. And then at some point, as the game starts, which I know you haven't got to yet. <laughs> <laughs> Hilariously, I haven't got to yet. Is you get on a boat and you go to this island and figure out what the natives over there are doing and what the situation is. And I'm going to keep this super spoiler free because I think a huge part of this game is that interesting story about that, um, to go back to dichotomy between this kind of higher elite class and different factions and then the natives. So that's the setup and it's action RPG, and there's leveling up, and there's skill trees, and essentially you can be alchemist, mage, or warrior. And I, as people will know on the podcast uh, after today, am always warrior, and I'm always two-handed weapon. That's like my go-to. Uh, so that's how I started the game. All right, all right, sounds good. Now this is... um. A par I mean, it's not exactly a party base, but it's kind of like a Mass Effect thing where it's like you play the main character and then you find some folks and they kind of go along with you, right? Yeah, I mean, if you like Dragon Age, you're going to like this game. Like, I have to say that because, yeah, there's romancing, but it's not as prevalent. There's uh, really a big play about um, the interconnectedness of the people that you pick in your party. So whoever you pick will have potentially different scenarios for who you're talking to at NPC-wise, or you'll have different scenarios from them talking to each other. I guess there's an actual area, I, this hasn't happened to me, but like if you have two different companions who are kind of fighting with each other, I think they can attack each other. That's what I heard. Um, or one could just let be like, I'm out of here. This person's an asshole. I'm leaving. Oh, so you've got to constantly monitor like how you're companions are reacting to the things you're doing is what you're saying not constantly and it isn't a chore so because i think that goes out there in the press and i people are misconstruing that no 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 it's just something that can happen and it also affects like um 
big moments and beats in the game. So without spoiling anything, if you have a certain character in your in your group and this big moment happens, the one you have in your group might be the one to do the big moment. That's so vague. <laughs> well, I think I think I get what you mean because like um I was getting a little bit of this when I played, but I didn't play enough. But like, I mean, so just making up a totally hypothetical example, this is not a spoiler or anything, but like, you know, if you, for example, like, let's say that you start a fight with somebody and one person in your party is like, you really should have talked that out. Then maybe that's like, Oh, this person is like slightly less happy sort of a thing. And then eventually, like if you keep making decisions, they don't like, I mean, that's the point at which they would like maybe leave or maybe, you know, maybe in fight you things got terrible. You know, you know the slider, like reputation yeah, or like yeah. like dislike. So that's going on, right? So that's going on between your party as well as the different factions. And I think the biggest, most interesting um, part of this, maybe the most interesting, is that you know each faction you deal with, uh, and I won't go into all of them. There's like four or five, and one of the factions is the natives. You have you know reputation with. So do they like you? Do they are they suspicious of you? Do they dislike you? Are they angry with you? And uh, that affects things, right? That affects if they're going to help you. That affects, uh, say you have a big mission coming up and you need to recruit people. Well, these people don't like you anymore, so they're going to make you go do an extra mission before they decide to help you again. So that literally affects the gameplay based on you know how they like you or not. But I will say this, just to kind of finish up the idea of companions, it's very little work. Like, so there's not a lot of like making sure you check on their reputation a lot with them. It's more about how they, who you have in your party when you're talking to other NPCs and then how you do missions in the game. Like there's these um, uh, kind of religious people going back to that. And I don't like what they're doing and they're missionaries, but they're actually trying to like torture the natives, I think at some point. And I don't uh, like their whole setup. So I didn't help them with any of their missions. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was like, you guys can fuck off. You're like being rude. And, you know, effect, it affected things, but also it made me feel like I was playing the game the way I wanted to play it. And it really did come into play at the end, which I, we can talk about in a spoiler version someday. But, yeah, in general, I, I love the game. And I'll tell you this, the combat, so beautiful because as a warrior, the role they have in this game is probably one of my favorite combat roles ever. And what I mean by that is, when you do your dodge roll, you can actually change your direction of your character in the roll. And so you can come out of the roll facing the direction you want. Now, let that sink in for a minute. That really makes it much easier to do melee combat. Because most of these games, including Eurojank, you roll and you don't know what's gonna happen. You know, you're like, am I stuck in the animation for a while? When I come out, am I like facing the wrong way and I'm going to get hit in the back? That happens a lot. It happened in Technomancer too. I played a little bit. Um, I, I, I hadn't really like specialized or anything because I was still in the opening areas, but I did notice that the combat did feel pretty good. Like for, especially for Eurojank. I mean, uh, probably the best combat that spiders has ever put out. And I was, I was actually kind of liking it. Like I was, I was wanting to fight more people just because I thought it was kind of fun to engage in um so it was really fun yeah yeah it's pretty good let me ask you though about the story so i mean of course don't spoil anything but i mean a couple questions like how did the story like like in general like as a story how was it but also how did you feel like like the colonial aspect came in because that was like a big talking point for a lot of people i can't say anything about it because i haven't seen enough of it but i was that was one thing that was on my radar 
you know, colonialism is a big thing that's been talked about recently. And of course that kind of like connects back to like, you know, native rights in America and like other places in the world where colonialism has happened. Do you, so is this game kind of like an examination of that? Do they really take it on head on or is it kind of just like a setting and they kind of just like give it lip service and move on or like how, like how did that play out for you? Yeah, that's my second half of my notes. So thank you for that beautiful segue. Good segue. Uh, There we go. Yeah, that's the biggest, uh, besides the faction thing, which I think gameplay-wise is probably the most interesting uh, aspect of this because it really does make you question your decisions uh, like RPG, or good RPG should. Uh, my favorite, um, you know, the first reason I wanted to pick it up when I saw the trailer and learned more about it was this kind of colonial versus native thing. Um, I'm actually Native American um, and uh, Apache, and so that kind of throws this even, you know, further into the mix. And, you know, no no shit, I'm going to immediately side with the natives. So just so you know, that <laughs> happened. Uh, so, but to see their perspective, you know, it's all about perspective. I, you know, this specifically, this time in our country with this kind of division, um, it, it's better to see the similarities than the differences. So while I was still already angry at the <laughs> settlers, um, I did like learn a new perspective from where this main character was coming from, who, the way that I played him, uh, did want to just help everybody. So my main character, with this is not much of a spoiler, definitely helped those natives, you know, from the get go, and that changed the way um, my ending was. I can say this without spoiling. Like I said, there's all the factions have kind of a uh, reputation, right? At the end of the game, I had. Uh, every faction was suspicious of me (laughs) and the only faction that liked me were the natives. I was just going to ask if you do choose the natives, because I mean, I mean, the premise of the game is like, you know, like you said, you're this kind of like, I don't know, English pre-industrial society going over to like colonize this Island. If you do side with the natives of that Island, I mean, does that turn like, I mean, apparently everybody else in the game thinks you're crazy for siding with the natives then? It's so hard. It's we definitely need to do a spoiler okay, cast because yeah, so don't much. Spoil of, but, it, but. No, no, no. But I would, I do want to say more on it. So, you know, you, there already is a settlement over there on the island, so that's not a spoiler either. Like the idea of you going over there isn't to colonize it, which is what I thought from the trailer. Like you're gonna go over and like what's gonna happen when you get there? No, no. There's already like normal runs going by. Like you know, the boats are going there, dropping off supplies, but you're going over to kind of like manage the stuff so you're like the again the in-between person being like working with the with the natives or working you know against them or trying to help out the different factions who are trying to make life happen over there as well so i got over there immediately was going you know pro native but i was also like trying to help people who are just in need of things so i wasn't just an asshole right right um but there was a couple um story moments where it was so obvious that the in quotes missionaries were like being terrible to the natives as, as they usually a, are in real life. I mean, that's oh, pretty right, right, yeah, right. realistic. And then as what I did is I, I had to suffer going through like fetch quests or go kill this monster, or do this other thing to find out if the missionaries are being assholes. And I was like, come on, can I just skip ahead to the part where I kill them? You know, they're because assholes. Yeah. Let's just get, assholes. To, let's just get yeah. to the meat of it. Let's just do it. So in that one particular one, I did so much extra work, came back, found their little secret plan to torture the natives. Oh. And I was like, cool. Uh, and I remember yelling out at the TV screen. Uh, I don't know why I yelled this out, but I go, 
I'm going to take them out in two minutes. Just give me two <laughs> minutes. And then, yeah, I just I slaughtered all of them. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it, it's such a good game because it does show you the different facets of all the different ways people are thinking about things. And even though you don't dis- if you could disagree with them, you get to see it, you know. And um, mix that with the combat and the, the RPG just felt really good. Um, and there's you could save whenever, which I love, right? You could save whenever. I mean, that's a plus. I mean, we're we're grown ass men. We have lives. We have things to do. Yeah. Saving is a must these days. So I'm, save, I'm very the happy. way that you can save anywhere. Okay. You know, will make me make me the decision between me finishing game or not. You know what I mean? I mean, you're not joking, dude. Like I t- I totally hear you. Any game yeah. that like makes saving a process is a game that I'm probably not going to put a lot of time into. No, it isn't. It's super easy. It auto saves. You can also save whenever. You could save in the middle of like a. Um, you know how sometimes you can't save in certain missions or whatever? Sure. I was right in the middle of like a, a cutscene. I finished the cutscene, saved, you know? Right on, right uh, on. So, yeah, I beat this game. We'll talk about it later, but I really enjoyed it. It's definitely the best game Spiders has ever made. Um, and I just want more of these games in my life. When to, to answer your question earlier, how do I do this with all the games coming out? There's another fun fact about me. I play all the games, and I also don't sleep much, and I do seven things at once and also finish six of them so when i was playing greedfall i was also checking out a couple of the other games for this podcast as well as you know three steam games so i've got a problem uh, <laughs> it's an issue but uh yeah i was able to beat it because i just i didn't sacrifice playing another game for this game i just kind of played them both yeah i hear you all right I mean, I, I also I'm single. <laughs> okay, oh, so that's why. Too. There's the real secret. You're single. Okay. <laughs> well, this sounds. I mean, I, I liked it a lot from what I saw, and everything that you're saying sounds like it's definitely something I want to get back to. And I had already kind of planned on getting back to it. So it kind of sucks because with the current release schedule, it seems like a lot of developers and publishers are kind of easing back on Q4, and a lot of things are getting slotted to like Q1 or Q2 next year, which it's kind of a problem because I'm holding off on playing a lot of big things thinking that I'm going to get to January, February and play them. But if everybody starts releasing big games in January, February, I'm never going to have time to play these things. I want to play some of these things. It's really tough to play something big, but I will, I want to come back to this one. I really want to come back to this one. And I got to say, I've been a a fan of spiders for like a really long time. Um, I think I've played all their games and they've all been really fucking janky to one degree or another. And I've, none of them have been like, unqualified successes um they came really close a couple times but none of them have been something that i could easily recommend to anybody remember mars warlogs wasn't yeah, that them mars warlogs that was them there was fairy there was um technomancer like you said i want to yeah in mars warlog i remember like again like this game does it, it kind of does uh, almost to go back to frostpunk it makes you feel for the characters in the situation more like it's it's never a clear-cut answer sometimes you know yeah uh, yeah and i like that about them they're i mean that's kind of the, the shame about it is because i really like their concepts they do a lot of re- great concepts they have a lot of good ideas their heart is always you know in the right place their their head is always going in the right direction but i just i just feel like they've never been able to technically pull off um what they are trying to do like they've never been able to really bring their full you know concept to life so i guess just oh, I like think it's, i think this is it that was just going to say a final question do you feel like they finally crossed that hurdle and are now in a technical sense do you feel like they've pulled it off yeah yo this is beautiful yeah okay. i think that again this is the best 
I'll, I'll say this probably on every episode. My favorite combat role of all time. It makes you want to do every encounter. Like, I didn't even care I was fighting the same monsters over and over again. I was like, yeah, I want to do it because it feels really good. Now, again, I didn't play with magic. It wasn't shooting missiles out of my hands, which is something that I seem a lot of people seem to do in this game. Um, I had the big two-handed weapons, swinging it nice and slowly, but doing a great roll, hitting people in the back. It felt so good. Um, yeah, I, I will say um, one thing, though. This is a pro tip for anyone playing. Okay, if you're playing a melee combat, which you will do probably, it's very fun to do. Uh, you have to pick in the skill tree. You have to pick stasis, which is a sh really, really early kind of magic ability, which lets you pause your enemies, even if for a second or two. That will help you heal or take some time to hit them. You need that even if you're a melee character. And I know this because I got pretty far in the game, and then there's a boss type person. Um, monster and it was impossible I was dying over and over again and I was so mad that you know I might have to stop this game or something but it was two things and these are the two pro tips one I needed stasis so stasis let me pause that monster for a minute heal roll and then hit him and the second thing is L1 in this game for PlayStation um, there's a pause menu basically so you can pause at any time which is old-school RPG and you don't usually use it, but in big, huge boss battles like this one, which is really hard, uh, I had to. So what I did is I used the combination of stasis and the pause menu to do things like heal or uh, cure or use magic potions and then go back to the, to the action. That's the only way I beat some of the high-level bosses, right? So it kind of changes its gameplay that way. Um, by the way, that would be a hurdle for spiders then. I would say that that wasn't intuitive, and I come to you after have you know died a lot to figure that out. Um, does that make sense? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I, that makes sense. I mean, that's hard won knowledge that you were passing on to our audience, free of charge. So folks, take, yes. take heed from someone who has been there. I mean, and that makes sense too. I mean, uh, I I haven't played enough of this game, but there's been many occasions where I will play a game similar to this where you have maybe like build variety or something, you know, like a dark souls or, you know, any one of those Euro jank games. Um, and I will very often, like I would like a particular build and I'll build myself up a certain way. And then at some point you will eventually meet a boss that is kind of resistant to whatever build you choose. And yes. so kind of forces you to change up your tactics. And that is the point, which if you remember that those options are there, which I often don't remember. So I'm like, you know, I look up like a, a YouTube video and go, Oh, I should have used that power that I didn't activate 19 levels ago. And I'll have to go, you know, that happens a lot. So that kind of sounds like, um, what they're pulling on you there. Very, yep. you know, very par for the course, as long as you, you know, make yourself flexible and remember what your options are, maybe like research that skill tree a little bit more and go back to things that you might've ignored. So that makes sense. Makes sense. Yep. Two pro tips for you. Excellent. 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 All right, well, I'm sure that we will talk about Greedfall again. Maybe not for a while, because uh, I think we have a lot of other stuff on the docket. But I'm definitely going to come back to it. So we may talk about it in the new year. Uh, we will see how that goes. Um, jumping over to me for a second here. Staying on the topic of RPGs, though. Uh, Carlos, have you ever heard of Planescape Torment? I have, and I have played it. Have you finished it? No, I did not. Okay, so played it on PC, I assume? I played it on Steam, yeah. yeah. Okay, so... For people that don't know, and I'm sure that I'm sure that most people listening to the show probably know, but if you don't know, Planescape Torment is a very famous Dungeons and Dragons based 
RPG from, I don't know, the early 90s? I don't know exactly when it was made. Uh, this is very consistently voted as having the best game story of all time of all games ever. Um, very often people name this one as the best game that's ever been written. So, of course, it's going to catch my attention. I love, you know, I love writing. I love games writing. I love story games. I love RPGs. So this has been on my radar for a long, long time. But when it was a new game, I did not have a PC. And then when I finally did have a PC, like PC gaming was really fucking janky at that time. And I just couldn't deal with it. And then uh, I think I bought it on good old games, GOG to some of you. And they did a version where it kind of patched some of that stuff. And I tried to play it. It's kind of a, you know, Western, kind of a top-down isometric sort of a RPG. Tried to play this, and I just could not wrap my head around it. Like, the interface was really fucking weird. I was struggling just to, like, do very basic functions, like use a certain item. Or I could not, I'd pick something up, and I didn't know where it went, and I couldn't find my inventory, and I didn't know what was happening. Just, like, the really basic shit. Like, I just couldn't do it because I wasn't familiar with the system. I don't play a lot of PC games in general, and I've had a lot of people say that this game is terrible if you don't mod it. So mm. I'm like, okay, that's all fair. And I and I, I tried, man. I really, really tried. Really wanted to play this game. Really wanted to get into it. I tried it, I think, at least two separate times and could not hang either either way. Just I couldn't get into it. So it's always kind of bugged me that I've never played this game because like so many people I respect and so many people whose word I trust are telling me that this game is the shit and I just, I can't get into it, right? So, why do I bring this up? Beamdog, who is a developer and a porter and they do all sorts of stuff, video game related, are putting out a series of six remasters of some of the most classic computer RPGs of all time. I don't have the list in front of me because this is so video games and we don't do any research, but Planescape Torment is one of them. Uh, Neverwinter's Night or Neverwinter Nights mm-hmm. is one of them. Uh, Baldur's Gate, I think it's Baldur's Gate one or two. Uh, one of those. So like all of those like super super classic hardcore computer strategy RPGs from that period of time. There was like six or eight games that like kind of became this like really like classic core. Anybody who was playing PC at that time has nothing but love for those games. I wasn't one of those people. I didn't have a PC. I never got into those. But it seems like it would be up my alley. And Beamdog has taken those games. I think there's six total. And they have remastered, not exactly remastered. They've kind of reworked them for console. So what they've done is they've, um, they haven't really done much to the graphics. I mean, they're a little bit cleaner, but like, this is not like an, it it looks exactly like it would have looked back then. Okay. So like prepare yourself for like early nineties computer graphics. But what they've done, which I think is really great is they have re reworked how all the menus and all the systems work. So like, instead of clicking through a bunch of weird tabs and menus, they have very smartly created some radial menus so that you can just like hit a shoulder button and then all your stuff is on this radial menu. Um, they have put in some new tutorials, I believe. They've um, just kind of like just reworked how it all fits on a console. So they sent me a copy uh, for review and for the purpose of talking about it on this podcast. So just full disclosure there. Um, I'm playing currently Planescape Torment, which is the one that I really am curious about. And I have to say that they are brilliant for doing this because this game, again, looks like an old PC game, so just brace yourself. But other than that, it plays wonderfully on PS4. Like, you have a mode where you can play, um, and I think this was in the original game, but you can play it in real time or you can, like, pause it and go turn by turn. 
The menus are super navigable. I mean, there's still a little bit of learning curve to it, but like everything is there. Like you can figure it out. I was able to find my inventory stuff. I was able to equip my stuff. I was able to like, you know, talk to people, no problem. Could find my little like note log, my quest log and stuff. So like now that I don't have to struggle with actually just how to actually play the game, um, I got sucked into it pretty quickly. I really started to find out like, okay, so this is what people are talking about. This is the good writing. Um, I'm not very far into it. Because again, fourth quarter, I don't want to commit to like a big RPG, but I love what I'm seeing so far. But with the point and click and the controller, that works? It totally works. It all works like really, really well. Like you just move your dude around and he will look at something and whatever he looks at is highlighted. So there's no mouse to click, but you just, you know, just move your character as you would move in any other game. And like when you get close to something, it'll highlight. And if you want to search that thing or pick that thing up, you just click X and you just do that action. It's all very, it just feels natural. Like it feels like I'm not fighting with the interface anymore, which has always been my biggest problem with this game is like, I feel like I'm constantly fighting the interface. Like I just can't play the game. And now I feel like I'm just playing the game, which is great. That's so cool to hear because then, you know, so many people can be introduced to these games that they miss because of, you know, either they didn't have that platform or they didn't have the good interface, but to hear the interface is good is sounds awesome. Yeah. I mean, and it's not, you know, it's not effortless. Like it's not perfect, but like I've played the other versions and I'm, I can tell you for a fact, this is, way better than it ever was way more approachable way more logical and i just i you know it took me a few minutes to learn what was what and then i was just i noticed i'm just playing the game like i'm not Hmm. getting stuck i'm not frustrated i'm just playing the game which is what i always wanted to begin with so i'm very very glad to see that beamdog has given these games this treatment Um, i'm definitely going to play planescape torment i mean i only put about maybe two hours into it just for the show purpose and i loved it i'm like oh man i totally want to find out more i want to talk to more people i want to do more stuff i want to get into this this was really good i i got further than i ever got before really like it a lot um and so so this game is out there's also the other ones the baller's gate and neverwinter nights and the other like there's like three other ones that are all getting the same treatment so if you like me are one of those people that never played these back in the day and you've always you've heard like People talk about them for years and years. I mean, these games get referenced all the time in RPG circles. This is your chance. I think these are great versions, and I think this is probably the optimal way to play these. Uh, Baldur's Gate 1 and 2 especially. Like, I've heard nothing but know. good about those. I've heard those oh, are wonderful. Yeah. yeah, special place in my heart. I played all these. Like, um, uh, This is a big part of my history, you know, is RPGs and CRPGs, um, especially this kind of uh, top-down isometric view. Uh People don't remember, some people don't remember, maybe our younger listeners don't, but Fallout started it as a game like this. Uh, Fallout 1 and 2, some of my favorite experiences ever, and they were this same style. You know, click around and uh, find things and and action, RPG, uh, and Ultima, my favorite game of all time, Ultima 7, was also like this. So this, yeah, this is, is cool to know that they're coming to remastered uh ps4 and i'm gonna pick some of them up yeah this is awesome i would in fact it's funny you bring up um fallout because i did try to go back and play the original fallout and fallout 2 and i just i was having struggles with them too just because it's like a really pc heavy kind of the same interface if they redid those games with this i would love that i would totally love that i really want to totally do it would work it would totally work okay i went back as you were talking i looked it up so it's baldur's gate and baldur's gate 2 Planescape Torment and Icewind Dale. So those are the ones. Oh, I think Icewind Dale's very good. Those are all amazing. Yeah, these. I mean, that's what people are telling me, and I believe it. So this is now, uh, like me, your chance to get in on these if you've always struggled with the interface before. I mean, playing it on PS4 is great. Um, 
the I think everything is real readable and easy to play. And I just I'm really I'm just really thankful that after all these years, I'm going to finally get to check off one of the biggest like bucket list games that I've never got around to. So now I'm finally going to get to do uh, to Planescape and, and get through it and uh, check it off my list. Cool. Very I'm excited to hear very, this. Very, very exciting. So heads up, folks. Those are a thing. Carlos, you have been playing Grid, G-R-I-D, Grid, which is, I mean, a racing game. But other than that, I don't know anything about it. So you were provided a code for the show, full disclosure. And this, I mean, tell us about Grid. What kind of racing, what is going on? I mean, I assume there's a car. There's maybe four wheels. There's an engine <laughs> there's probably. There's definitely a car. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely one. There's more than one car, actually. For gas, you're probably going fast. I mean, tell us all about it. You go like sometimes you go slower because you know you got to go the turns and stuff. It's all about braking and uh, drifting and no, I um, I have a love hate relationship with uh, racing games, where you know I love the horizons of the world, um, the the ones the games that you can just kind of go anywhere and it doesn't feel like you're just on this one track and you can never crash. I like kind of more physics based and you know open ended. But if I'm going to do a regular racing game, it's nice to have a little bit of damage to the car to feel like it's like a, a real car. And this lets you turn that on and off. But when you turn it on, it really does kind of uh, add to the realism. And I like that. But uh, in general, this game, it started pretty jank because it came out with this like TV type presentation of like, you know, we're watching the, new, the TV and there's racing going on. Uh, and and let's look watch all the races and then you have to play the race that they're talking about you know that kind of intro right 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 right. yeah yeah yeah. and then like okay they're talking again and now let's play another race that we're talking about and then you can finally start the game after you do all those so while that was a little annoying the second part was the video skipped and like i was like how is the opening video skipping this is not a pc you know, That's I don't have them in the highest sign. settings. If you can't get your opening video right, then how's the rest yeah. of the game going to be? But I'll give them a little um, uh, backup here. And I think it was still installing. You know how they do that where you like, the game is downloaded. Go ahead and play it. But it's yeah. really still doing something in the background. That shit never works, dude. I've tried that so many times. It never works. I just let it finish because it's stupid. But it doesn't tell you. It tells you you get going. It tells you like, to. Okay. And then you do it. And it, it it's always fucked up. Like it never it yeah. never works. Well, anyways, minus that little hiccup in the beginning, um, you know, my biggest question with these racing games is two things. One, when they come up to a turn, because these are fast types of races, lots of different style of racing. Do I brake? Do I let off on the gas? Do I hand brake? Do I try to drift? You know, that always throws me for a loop. And if I can get that in a racing game, then I'll want to keep playing it. And if I don't, then I don't want to. And the second thing that I don't like is that rubber banding or something where it allows the AI cars to just be really, really awesome at racing and make no mistakes and, you know, not crash. So that bothers me. So that was the first thing I was looking for in this game. Like, how is that? How am I going to handle those things? And I got to say that it's, it's definitely, there's modes. So there's very easy, easy, normal. I think there's two more up, like hot, hard or something. I put it on very easy just to get started. All right. I just want to understand what this game's about. And in very easy, it took me a minute, but I started figuring it out and the cars weren't just like leaving me in the dust. So I felt like, okay, I'm starting to figure out how to drive this car. And then I started getting like second and first place. I was like, okay, I figured it out. 
and now I can go up to easy. <laughs> and then in easy, I started doing pretty good too. So I would say if you're, this is a pro tip number two for the day. If you're kind of like me where you go, I, I'm not like the best at racing, but I do enjoy it. I would say go super easy like I did and just get the handling of the cars. Um, that, that being said, there are many different types of races. So there's stock cars, tour races. Um, sometimes you're in the rain doing that kind of rally style. Um, although not truly a rally, uh, there's different types of cars. There's F1, which I don't know if you play many F1 racing games, but those are fast. Um, and it totally changes the way you break and, and do all the turns. So yeah, in general, I put it on the super easy mode. I got my understanding of how I brake, drift. There's a super drift as well. And I started feeling very confident. And when you feel confident in a racing game, it makes you want to keep playing it. You know what I mean? I mean, absolutely, yes. I, I have a very love-hate, mostly hate relationship with games, uh, racing games. Because uh, I'm, I'm terrible at racing, and I don't like losing a race and having to do the whole race over. Like, I just feel like it's a waste of my time. I just don't enjoy it. Not my, not my genre, um, but I definitely know the feeling of when you click into something and it feels good and you win. I mean, that's a good feeling. But let me, let me ask you, Carlos. So, like, with Grid... I don't have in my mind, like if you told me to describe Grid or how would I know Grid was different from any other racing game, I would not have an answer for you. So like what what is like what is Grid's identity? Like you said there's several different types of racing, but I mean is it supposed to be like a Gran Turismo, like all all racing things in one game, or does it specialize? Or like what is what is its identity? What is the hook to Grid? Yeah, I think it, uh, they're really, really doubling down on that TV presentation and like, let's look at this huge network of races that are going on. And they are a lot of different styles of races. So you have, I mean, one of the styles of races is you, you're driving mini Coopers. Like that's like a, that's a whole like um, career path. And there's just multiplayer, there's regular free ride. You can pick any, any car and any track, or whatever. Um, and like a lot of games, there's currency. So you have to like win things to get money to buy more cars. Uh, sometimes in order to even do any race, you might not have the car for it. Like the F1, I didn't have a F1 racer, so I had to like buy one. Uh, but you, they give you a good amount of money in the beginning, so you don't have to worry about that. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of different styles of races. They're trying to be a lot of things in one racing game. And for the most part, they pull it off because the Mini Cooper is different than the F1. It feels different and it feels fun. Um, and the, the main mode that I like and that I'm still playing, weirdly enough, because I, I'm usually like, uh, you know, it has to have something really special to keep me going in a racing game, is the career mode because there's just so many different types of races that open up uh, along like five or six paths. So one path is the minis, one path is the F1, one's the stock cars, and you know, you can obviously open up more cars as you buy them and you go along that path. And so each path has a different thing, a timed race, uh, you know, a different track. And it just feels like all these little worlds that you can go down each career path. So that that's, I think, what their bread and butter is, is showing that all these different types of races within this career mode. And I gotta, it's, it's definitely uh, addictive because once you start figuring out like how to do it, um, you want to see what the new race and city will be. I was, I was in San Francisco, which I lived there for six years, and it felt like I was in San Francisco racing, and um, I don't know. It felt good. Uh, here's the key thing, though. This is my favorite part of this review, is that you have a team, and I don't understand it. 
Okay, I'll just say that out loud. I don't understand team racing. Like you're driving. How how is he going to help me? But for some reason, <laughs> you can issue you can issue commands to your teammate. It's like you're like, hey, can you get me a coke in the back? Like crack it open for yeah. me. I'm driving. No, no, he's in another car. Oh, he's not like riding with yeah, you. Yeah, like, yeah. No, he's not. Yeah. It's like I got I got Taco Bell in the back. Can you pass me a burrito, please? Dude, that would be a good combo. Yeah, that would I like be, that. It would be like a okay. food sim slash driving game. That would be pretty good. Can we make that? Yeah. <laughs> so not that, but there's another guy who's you know driving with you in this race, and you can give him commands. You you issue commands with your directional pad, and you could say attack um some other are things. you serious you can say attack yeah it's a it's a car <laughs> racing term we, we're 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 dumb and we don't know what it means but it's something um no research no research and, uh, no research. and so i i made him attack and sometimes the guy was like he can't or, or like uh yeah sometimes okay he's attacking and i'm like cool i don't i don't know what that means but uh and then the best part of this game minus the team stuff is that you can i always hit cars like i just love to see how like how much i can get away with uh not just for the physics body damage but also to see if i can piss cars off or like smash them or whatever and so if you hit cars in this game you make nemesises okay and that the guy's like oh you, you better stay away from him for a little while he's gonna get mad and i was like oh that means i'm going to hit him more like, if you tell me to stay away from a car, I'm going to hit him more. So I hit him more, and all of a sudden, he turned into my nemesis. And he had, like, a little icon above his car. And and then I, like, wanted to beat my nemesis. Like, he was, like, kind of bumping me a little bit. And, by the way, my first nemesis was named Pedro Costa. <laughs> and I was mad at Pedro Costa. You were mad at Pedro. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I gave him some car damage he won't walk away from. And uh, And I beat that Pedro Costa, by the way. And it felt really good. And I was like, this is an interesting thing. You know, fight fight for some position with somebody, or in my case, smash the car. And then you have a rival, and then you've got to, you know, beat that person, uh, or you want to beat that person more. So I was not expecting that, you know, that little aspect. Hmm. And something like that can go a long way because it kind of, again, reiterate that point of we make our own stories in video games. Exactly. Pedro Costa, dude. Fuck that dude. You know what I mean? <laughs> like the dude am, that you love. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you see Pedro's in the next race, it's going to give you that oh, much more he's on, motivation. Dude. If I see him, he's going over. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Anyway, I try to flip cars. This is the last thing I'll say. I try to flip cars or do some sort of huge crash that you see in racing. And I really couldn't do it. And that kind of bothered me because we're going so fast. And I feel like it's not burnout, right? Like I, lots of times I want every game to be burnout where – if I were going fast and we, we crash, you're going to go flying in the air and whatever. It doesn't do that. I flipped my F1 racer pretty good, but it didn't have like animation for explosions. You know what I mean? That's a bummer. That's a bummer. It was just like flip and you're back you're to back. invisible yeah. and you're back to normal. Racing Which games is Mario Kart, you know? That's not realistic. Yeah, yeah. Well, racing games are funny that way. You know, sometimes uh, the car manufacturer has very specific rules about how much damage you can show. Oh, interesting. I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, you know, so I mean, I don't know if that's the case here, but a lot of manufacturers are like, yeah, you can dent a fender, but nothing more than that, or sometimes not even that. So I guess it depends. But um, before, we move off of, before we move off of grid, so just for my own clarification, since I'm kind of like the racing uh, racing genre noob here, is this is this more in line of like, arcadey just jump in a car and go and maybe the cars handle differently but you're just going or is this like a you've got to you know adjust the torque of the left rear wheel and you put on the camber ratio like are you doing all that shit or are you just like basically just driving 
I'm glad you asked that. It is definitely right in between. Really? Because, okay. yeah, you, it's a pickup and play. I mean, I'm not a racing connoisseur, um, but uh, you also have tuning options. And before every race, you can tune things. Uh, they do a really good job of actually explaining what the tuning is, though. Like other games would just be like, do you want to do whatever you just said, you know, Brad? And I'm like, I don't know what that means. But this one, it goes, if you do the, you know, the the springy, fuck, I can't, forgot all of it. But like, <laughs> you can tell we're real fucking gearheads here on this we're show. We're gearheads here on this show. <laughs> if you do the springy thing this way, like loose, then it means you're going to go faster to start, but then your top speed is less, right? And I was like, I understand that. Okay. You know, maybe okay. I do want that for this race that has a lot of turns, right? So in the turn, lots of turns, you want to like pick up speed really quickly and beat the people around the corner, but you don't need to go fast. So I was like, oh shit, I get that. So I think you can, you can do both, and um, and uh, it's definitely not trying to be one or the other. I don't think. I think it's nicely in between, and which is maybe why I still want to play it. Okay. Okay. Well, that sounds like a fairly good recommendation if you still want to play it i mean that's pretty good right it is for a racing game because i am with you too love and hate and uh man it takes a lot for me to want to keep playing i just wish that okay this is my truly last thing is (laughs) this might be a a new thing on the podcast but i do say that a lot this is the last thing my last thing this is my last thing um and it's a two-parter one i wish there was a little more physics it would have made this game like an instant buy right just a little more to make it feel like the stakes are higher because you're definitely you can't go past the rails you know what i mean right okay um and secondly racing games i know it takes a lot of processing power i work for a developer now i understand but these people on the sidelines come on we gotta get them better they gotta have more animations or just less people with more animations or it, reacting to the things that are actually happening i like literally rode on the on the guardrail for a while just to drive on the guardrail and no one cared they just had their arms out there you know hey what's up buddy and they were filming you know the sky <laughs> they're idiots out there they're not real people and you're not supposed to see them i know but i've got a big problem with it <laughs> And I'm going to bring it up every podcast. It's got to be a pretty big problem if you brought it up. Because, I mean, usually you're flying down the road. You're not looking at the crowd. And if the crowd caught your attention as being horrible, maybe that's... Uh, maybe no, it's, I stopped on purpose. I stopped to check them out. And I was like, what's going on with these people? Oh, yeah, they're just like NBA 2K or whatever. All the people look the same. Were they like the, like the flat like texture map people? No, no, no okay. they had 3D. We, we've moved on to that. Okay, but, okay. Yeah, anyways. Uh, anyway, all right. So that was Grand Grid. Tour. That was Grid on PS4, G-R-I-D. Um one more game to talk about and then we're going to kind of move into the final leg of the show here folks um i want to talk about the surge 2 uh on ps4 and again was provided a code by the publisher for the purposes of talking about it on the show and that is what i'm about to do right here right now um so the surge i believe it comes from oh man i want to say deck 13 i could be wrong i think that's what it is oh research research uh, would you mind looking that up, Carlos, real quick? I'm looking at it Okay, right thank now, you. Yeah. Uh, so The Surge 2, obviously sequel to The Surge. This was one of the first... The Surge was one of the earliest Souls-likes to kind of jump on that bandwagon when people started making games that were like Dark Souls. It took people a while to come around to it, and they've had a couple stabs at it, and i got to say I have not really been the biggest fan of their work. Uh, I did not like The Surge, number one. Uh, at all, and I think they've done at least one other Souls-like, which the name is escaping me. Lords of the Fallen, perhaps? 
Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I, and I, I try to play that too. And that's deck thirteen. Deck thirteen. Okay, yeah. So I, I'm not a fan. If I'm correct, and this that both those games are from deck thirteen. Not a fan. So I was a little bit hesitant to try the surge two, but I, you know, I do like the Souls games, and by that I mean you know maybe perhaps stamina based combat or like a, a an emphasis on strategic combat exploring a world you know that sort of a thing i mean i'm kind of down with those games um so i figured i would give this a shot the e3 trailer looked pretty good um the premise is kind of playing off of the first surge which i only remember a little bit of basically there's been some kind of a nano technology oopsie daisy and something happens and the world gets all fucked up and you know, whatever, whatever, and your oopsie daisy. You know, sorry, I couldn't let that go. It's, it's one of those situations. You know, we've all been there. We've all you let know, you let some nanites go. It infects the entire globe. Everybody becomes a cyborg. You know, oopsie daisy. Sorry. Um, so your character wakes up from a coma in the middle of all this like weird shit going down in their city, uh, and so they strap on an exoskeleton. It just kind of it looks like little like metal strips that are on your body, like on your arms and your legs and your back. And that's, it's kind of like a frame that you can, like, mount pieces of hardware onto. And that's kind of the Surge's deal. Like, you get these different pieces of tech, you strap them onto your body, and it this exosuit kind of makes you stronger than a normal person, gives you abilities that a person wouldn't have. And so it's kind of a, you know, Dark Souls thing. Like, it's semi-open world where you can explore these different areas. You find shortcuts that go back and forth. There's always enemies hiding around every corner waiting to ambush you. Uh, third person... Uh, so, so far, pretty basic, same thing as a surge more or less, but I will say that, um, deck 13 has made a lot of improvements and I feel like this one is a big step up from the first surge. Um, for example, right as, I mean, they give you really good tutorials in the beginning. I feel like they really took their time and really taught you what was going on, which is nice. I like a good tutorial, especially when you have systems that are maybe not hundred percent familiar. Um, so on one of the, one of the things that you get right off the bat is this little item that teaches you how to parry and again getting back to the pairing i don't like the pairing that much in the surge 2 because my reflexes are shit so mm. it doesn't work for me that much but if you are a person who likes to parry this is going to be good for you because this little item that they give you tells you exactly what direction you need to parry so if you can look at this item and you want to parry people it is a big help i've tried to do it again my fault not the game's fault but i'd like that they really put that out there Rather than like making you try to like really study the animations or count the frames or whatever, they're like, no, no, this is a left parry, this is an up parry, this is a right parry. Helps a lot. I really appreciate they give you that bone and it just kind of gets you into it. I'm also a really big fan of their healing system. I think the healing system is pretty, pretty cool. You have these little like batteries on your suit, and every time you beat up some guys, every strike builds up some energy. And when you have up have enough energy, you push a button. And you save that energy and it into one of your batteries, and then you just have it. And then when you need to heal, you use a battery. So it's kind oh, of that's like, cool. yeah, it's really good. It really works because um, instead of looking for like potions laying around the ground, or instead of just like, you know, trying to make it to the next save point, you're just like, yeah, as long as you can hit a guy a couple times, you'll build up a battery, save the battery, and then you use it with a battery when you need it. And then you use the battery, you build it back up. Like it's a really good system. I really like the auto healing um, system a lot. I think it's very clever. In terms of the combat, they love dismemberment in this game. They love ripping people apart in this game. It is a very dismemberment-heavy affair here. Um, so when you fight a guy, you can look at a guy, and you're, I don't know, like you, you're somehow able to scan the guy, right? And so you can look at their head, 
left shoulder, right shoulder, chest, left leg, right leg. I don't think crotch is one, but I think <laughs> just the, wait a minute. It goes back to the beginning of our show. I don't. I don't think. It's, I don't think the crotch is one. What's the straight one? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so when you look at these people, everybody will have at least one part that is like quote unquote armored. So, so for example, like you'll meet a guy and he's got like a robotic left arm, and the rest of him is like human, right? So like obviously the left arm is the armored part. But like it can be sometimes a person's head, sometimes a person's like left leg or whatever. And if you f if you look at that piece first and target that piece, when you do the combat, you can like focus all your attacks on left arm or head or whatever, like whatever piece you want to focus on. If you chop that part off, you can like usually harvest extra parts from that. So it kind of gives you a little bit more incentive to not just button mash the whole time, to kind of be a little bit more strategic and really aim for the pieces of each person that you think will be of good benefit to you. So. If you use that system by targeting the armored parts and you just like start um, attacking all the dudes that are the first dudes you find, you'll eventually put together like a suit of armor that you scavenge from these guys. Like you'll find blueprints for like a left arm and you have a blueprint for like a left leg. And like once you do all that, you can make yourself a suit of armor and then you're like in much better shape than you were at the beginning. So that is like another level to the combat, which I think is good. It's not just about cutting somebody's head off or their arm off, but it's about doing it with purpose and doing it strategically to kind of like benefit yourself in the long run. So I think those are all really good systems. Um, there's also a system where you have a drone, like a little little helicoptery drone that sits on your back. And as you go through the world, you will pick up powers for the drone. Um, I have one that's called Search and Rescue. I gotta be honest with you, I have literally no fucking idea what it does. I can't figure it out and I forgot to look it up before the show. But the other power is like you just have like a sniper rifle You'll eventually get like other things you can strap onto the drone. And as you're fighting hand to hand, trying to chop off a dude's like armored left leg, you can pop out your drone and the drone will like fly around the arena and like take pot shots. And you can, you know, have a little backup when you need it, which I think is really nice. Do um, you think those upgrades make you feel like um, stronger? Do they, do you feel like you're better at combat because of those upgrades? Um, I'm pretty early in the game, uh, but after I got together my first suit of power armor and I found one pretty good weapon, I felt better. Not like I felt like strong at all, but I felt better and my survivability went up. Um, you can of course but like, you know, put skill points in the way you want and your build can be different. So I don't know if I'm going to keep the build I have, maybe I'm going to play with it a little bit, but I mean, I, I did notice a difference. But you still can die by any person, right? It's just like a souls in that way. Yeah, exactly. If you're not careful, yeah. like literally any any character can kill you. Um, yep. Maybe that will change if I get like the super heavy armor and I get a lot of like batteries for my healing or something. But at this point in the game, yeah, every every encounter is potentially lethal, and you get sent back to the most recent um, like auto auto dock save station, which is basically just like a bonfire. So, and the dismemberment is you can dismember any any uh, enemy. Yeah, if you build up, like as you're fighting, you build up a little combo meter and you can use the energy um, to dismember them if you have enough damage on that part. So you can't dismember hmm. anybody at any time, but it's pretty easy. And if you do it, you know, with, with focus, you'll be able to do it like quite a bit. So it's not it's not hard at all. Okay. Um, but overall, I mean, it's pretty good. I will say I did have a couple of problems with it. For some reason, I don't think this game looks very good and I wasn't sure if it was just my TV or if I had the settings wrong or something, but like I would go into like a, a dark area and it was really, really dark. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't see what's going on. Like I got to crank up the brightness all the way. So I jack up the brightness all the way. And it's just like, it looks weird. Like when your brightness is too high, like everything is kind of like a weird, like off black and the, it's just, oh yeah, it looks really shitty. Right. So like I leave it that 
way for a while because I can't see. And then I go to the outside of the environment and it's like way too bright. Like everything is super washed out. I'm blind. And I'm like, okay, turn it back down. I just couldn't find a good medium ground where the darks were, you know, dark, but I could still see what's going on and bright without it being blinding. Like I just, I struggled. And every time I go to a new area, I have to fuck with the brightness. And I talked to some people online and other people said they had the exact same problem. Do you think it's HDR? Do you have HDR and a PS4 Pro? I do not have a PS4 Pro, and I do not have HDR. I wonder if it's that, because I have issues with that sometimes, too. Um, I, I have the PS4 Pro, but I don't have the TV to like, support it, which is crazy. So I have to buy a new TV very soon. Yeah. But yeah, I think that sometimes when developers are working with that stuff, they're excited that they have it, and then maybe they rely on it too much. I don't know. That's just an idea I had, you know? It's possible. It's possible. Um, so that was my, my biggest problem. I also kind of don't give a shit about my character or the story so far, which is a little bit of a problem. But as long as the combat is good, it'll keep me into it. Um, I mean, so far, it's a thumbs up. I, I put it on hold because, again, getting... I mean, the theme of this show is, like, let me start a game and not finish it because all these games are too long and I don't have time <laughs> to play them all. Um, but it, I like it better than The Last Surge, and I think that Deck 13 has made some really smart choices in this game. So I like I like what they're doing. Um, I'm gonna put this I'm gonna put a pin in this for now. We will probably come back to it. But so far, I'm liking it. Um, Carlos, right, so you and you're like a, not just a finish on that. Yeah, yeah. I think that you like uh, the Souls games games more than I do. We've talked about that on other podcasts. Um, so you know, even though Surge, I played the Surge one as well, and I didn't like it. Uh, not just because I don't like Souls, but I just felt like it was clunky and kind of weird. And which it was, did, it was. Yeah, and so this one adding all these new elements like the dismemberment, the the battery thing sounds really enticing because then you feel like you're not just stuck uh, without having some sort of healing. Uh, but yeah, do you think that it you'll, you'll you'll stick with it then? Because even though it's souls like, it's it's got enough different things in it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if it's got legs for the long haul because I'm gonna need a little bit of story or something in it to keep me right. besides just the combat, but. I mean, again, to be totally fair, I've only like one or two hours into it, not too far, but I really like the systems. Definitely a step up. And I am interested to come back. So I will come back to it and check it out a little bit more. Okay. Um, so there we go. I'm looking at the clock, Carlos, and we have a little bit of a time pinch. So I'm going to hit the fast forward button and we're going to jet through the rest of the show because I know that both of us have some place to be. So uh, right. let's put some nitro in the tank and let's go ahead. Um, before we close out the show, we did get a question from very good friend of the show a friend of mine coffee jesus who is over in the uk do you know coffee jesus carlos i don't but now i do from twitter love that guy he is a lovely gentleman love that guy so much um he sent us a question this morning and he said uh with the back and forth regarding next gen consoles heating up is there a particular feature you would like to see implemented could be technical maybe bolder designs of the console itself whatever you want it's up to you also if you could choose a launch title, what would be your dream game? Carlos, I'm going to let you answer first. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been doing a lot of research on what PS5 is going to be and Xbox Scarlet or whatever we're going to call it. Um, and it just seems like an iteration on the current systems. Uh, I don't think it's going to be a huge, massive jump. So I'm going to keep my answers as kind of realistic. Uh, and my answers are, you know, no load times slash faster load times, but... It'd just be cool to like go into a door in an RPG and just be in the next room. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> that's a crazy concept. I, that's all I want, really, is I just want to be able to go into a place and then be in that place. So my biggest thing is faster load time. Um, I want a great controller. 
uh, I know the PS5's controller has some of the information leaked out about how the uh, triggers are going to be kind of um, malleable. They can change kind of their um, tensity. I don't think that's the word. Uh, and so, yeah, I, if the controller is awesome feeling, it's faster loader times, and I really want a terabyte or more of space because, come on, these installs are huge. Absolutely, absolutely. Those are all good features. I like your I like your observation about opening a door and being in where the door leads to. That is actually yeah. That's very fucking true. Like I, when I play a game and that happens, I still find myself going like, oh, oh, whoa, I've, I'm there. That's pretty interesting. I I like that a lot. Um, as far as what I would like to see, I don't have like a big laundry list. I mean, I gotta be fucking honest with you. Like I'm pretty satisfied with where things are at right now. I mean. A few tweaks here and there. I think I, what I, what I would really like is I would like I would like people to take a real hot minute and just focus on their storefronts. Um, the Xbox One storefront is a pile of dog shit. I fucking hate it. I hate it endlessly. Um, the Switch store is pretty good, and the PS4 store is pretty good. Also, could be better. I want a fucking um, wish list feature for every console. Um, the Xbox One and Switch have it. PS4 does not have it, and I have a lot of games wishlisted on PS4 because if you go to their online store, like on your PC, there is a wishlist for PS4, but oh, you cannot I didn't access. Know that. Uh, yeah, I got like you can you can only do it online, which makes no fucking sense because I'm always on the console. So I want wishlist feature. I want a really clean, not cluttered, just easy to navigate store. So that seems like kind of a dumbass, but that's something that I would really like a lot. I also. I want to keep the social media integration. I feel like um, I thought it was silly at first on the PS4 to have like that like multimedia button, but I use it all the fucking time now that I I'm, use it all the time. Yeah, too. as soon as as soon as I started using it, I'm like, I love this. This is brilliant. I, that's got to be key for all the all the consoles moving forward. So please keep that. Um, and it's not really a feature, but I really want all consoles to really increase their relationship with the indie scene. Um, the Switch is fucking killing it right now with indie games i love the switch so much if you love the vita and you loved how many indie games are on that like the switch is like the vita part two i want that kind of relationship with the xbox one or whatever the new xbox is called with the ps5 like i i really cherish those experiences and i want more than just the cream of the cream of the cream of the crop to come i mean the switch is yep. doing great i want more variety like in you know, I'm not saying I want a bunch of shovelware like you find in the Steam store where it's getting choked out by all this, like, knockoff shit. But, you know, curate it a little bit. But, like, you know, give me some options. Like, don't just give me the the superstars. Like, I want to see some of the other the other titles on there also. Um, so I think the big answer there, though, is curation, right? Yeah. I, I, yeah. I agree with you. But you can't, like, PS4 has had indie games, and, and they still do. Um, a friend of mine's game is actually coming to that store at some point, too. And, and I like them taking chances on indie stuff. But sometimes it's just, like, absolute garbage that shouldn't even be a, like, you know, a sellable thing. I don't know why they even picked it. So it just feels like maybe do that, but also be smart about it. Yeah. I mean, and that's really, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that's really the key is like just curation, hire a couple people to fucking play these games, to look at these yeah. games. I know that, you know, it, it's a big ask. I know it's a big job. I guarantee you there's people out there that want to do that job. You can pay people probably wouldn't even need to pay them that much to fucking do it. And like, nope. it would just really help a lot to like, have somebody go through and say, this game is great. This game is not great. And just, just up the quality of what you're offering. Um, the Switch is starting to get like that, where you're starting to see some bloat and some shovelware stuff come in, which I hope they I hope they put a kibosh on pretty quick. But good curation, good store, good links with the indie scene. Keep the social media stuff. And yes, bigger, bigger hard drives. 
I currently have a solid state um, external attached to my PS4 because I just needed more space. So that would be good. Um, I mean, but other than that, I'm pretty happy. I don't think I don't think either one of us are asking for anything that's really out there. Um, no, all those things are attainable. Yeah, and yeah. Maybe even we'll we'll see them because all those feel realistic. Let's hope. Let's hope. And and to follow up, did you have a dream launch game? Just real quickly. I do because it's a dream launch game. It's just a dream game of mine in general. But I think it would work really well with like new hardware. Um, and the fact that maybe it could do more of the ridiculous things that I want from this game. But it's I want a brand new third person action RPG that takes place in present day. Oh, that is such a good one. That is such a good right? one. Yeah, I wanted that forever. So because I'm a big fan of Earthbound. Um, the reason one of the main reasons I like that was because it it did feel like realistic. It felt like, you know, I called my mom on the phone. I talked to my dad. He sent me money in the ATM machine. Yet I was also fighting monsters. Uh, I, I just love that concept of the present day. And so nowadays, like a GTA, right? But not just like, I'm a gang member and I'm shooting mafia people. Like, I'm over that shit. Fucking over that. Yeah. I want like a interesting take on an action RPG with a true role-playing game elements in present day. Fucking somebody give me that. That is a great, that is a great pick. I would love that. We've often, I mean, I've often thought of like maybe doing like, an RPG where you're like in an office building and like, mm. you know, you do tasks to level up and you try to like advance and get like a promotion or something. So like you're doing like the same kind of mechanics, but you're not battling a, an orc or anything. It's like you're in an office building and then you go to the water cooler and oh, there's that guy that you hate talking and he's there and maybe it's a boss battle. Maybe you got to talk to him in a certain way that you get one up over on him, but it's just like a conversation, right? It's just like, yeah, yeah. you know, something like that would be really cool. That was, so that's not my pick though. That was maybe a good thing, but you made me think of that. <laughs> Um, I was, I don't know what I would want. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't have anything in particular, but I mean, if I had to pick one thing out of the air and just say, I would be really happy to see this come back. I would love to see a true fully featured soup to nuts, A to Z, like all the bells and whistles, uh, update to Seaman. Did you ever play Seaman? Oh yeah. Yeah. Like the kind of AI that you interact with. Yeah. And just having this little thing that you checked in with once a day. It was really weird at first, and I didn't like how it forced you to wait about certain things. So maybe like having the option to just like speed things up or, you know, play it a little bit differently, like make it more conducive to real life. Right. But like that concept of having a fish in a tank that you just fucking talk to. I mean, I don't, people, if you haven't played Seaman or you don't know what I'm talking about, like go YouTube that and look it up. Um, it was a, a game where you had an animal in a tank that had a human face and you could talk to it through a microphone on your Dreamcast. And I got to say, dude. I don't know how it was for you, but when I was talking to Seaman back in the day, that shit worked really, really well. Like, I know yeah, Seaman was, was real, man. It felt real at times, dude. Like, you would say shit just to, like, fuck, him, fuck with him, and he would take it and he would fuck right back with you, and it was crazy. Like, I mean, so that was on the Dreamcast. If we could do that with modern technology, that would be kind of mind-blowing. I would love to do Seaman Part 2. So that would be, like, my oh. wildest dream. I'm so in, and you made me go on a tangent now because I got to talk about this real quick. Okay. Remember Milo? Milo, that was the thing that Molyneux was going to do, right? Molyneux was trying to do it. Yeah. It essentially was a similar thing where you talk to a little kid and you interact with him. Uh, and he's got a story. It's a little different, but it was this kind of AI like you interacting with somebody. But also, here's my real tangent. And I try to talk about this as much as I can on any podcast. But one of my favorite games of all time in the 80s on Com Commodore 64, <clears throat> I believe, was called Little Computer People. Everybody listening, uh, go Google that, look at the images, and you'll get the idea of what I'm about to tell you. It was a little 
guy. Uh, I think it can only be a guy. It might might have been able to be a girl. And he was in like this kind of like almost Fisher Price house, like a slice. You could have kind of looked inside a house and you kind of just see it by like two. It's like it's like an ant farm view. Yeah, ant farm view of a house. And he was in there and he had a dog and you just took care of him and interacted with him. And it was the most amazing thing. Still to this day, I don't think anybody has made something like it. And you'd have to like stock food for the dog and then you'd have to give stock food for him or he could get sick and he'd go up the stairs and like lie in bed and be all green. And then he would like type on his typewriter and you could like read things he was typing. You could play games with him. So at some point he would like knock on the screen and you would like be able to play a game with him. And then you could also do this thing where you push a button and a little electronic arm would go out and like scratch the back of his head for some reason. Um, this game was fascinating. And now I want that on the new console. I'm looking at it on Google right now, and this looks fascinating. This could easily be done on the Switch, dude. This Anybody listening, oh. if you've got a developer friend, tell them to make something like this on the Switch. That would kill. That would be amazing. Kill. Someone please do that. Okay. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. We are rapidly running out of time. Carlos, we are trying to I, – I, I think that maybe we're going to do a new regular bit for the show. New co-host, new regular bit. Um, you always got your eye on the on the horizon. You always uh, are thinking about things that are coming up. Um, Carlos's games coming soon is what we're going to talk about. We've got like one minute. Do you want to maybe give out a couple games that you're looking forward to? Three games, real quick. Okay. Uh, Carlos's games coming soon. I'm going to play Cat Quest Two. If you don't know, Cat Quest One is a highly addictive, super stupid, simple uh, action RPG where you're a cat warrior and you fight other cats. It's super simple and fun as hell. Cat Quest 2, I think it just came out or just about to come out. Uh, I'm excited to play that. And if you want something quick and easy, I highly recommend it. On the Switch as well. I played the original on the Switch, I think. Um, Yeah. Anyways, and then Concrete Genie is out, which is a game where you uh, you interact with graffiti that's on the wall that is actually like characters. Uh, They're like come to life on the wall. And it's supposed to be really an interesting, weird game. I'm very excited to play that. And then the other one I'm playing uh, is Pine, which is on Steam. Did you say Pine? Pine, yeah. It's like a Zelda-type game. Um, Kind of like um, exploring a world, action RPG, super simple, super indie. And, yeah, it just looks really interesting. Why is it called Pine? uh, There's pine trees around? I don't know. (laughs) Why, do you research at this show? (laughs) Okay. But you want to adventure in a pine forest. There's pine on Steam. Okay. All right. Anyway. You play as a pine tree. As a pine tree. It's a pine tree simulator. There we go. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. We will expand on this segment in the future. I think time got away from us a little bit, but I think we were going to be doing Carlos's uh, games coming soon uh, next time as well. So, okay. We are basically out of time. We got to wrap this show up and we got to get the fuck out of here. First off, um, shout out to the mailman with calves of steel, Joshua Jackson. Uh, Mentioned him at the top of the show. Mentioned him again. Thank you very much for your comments, sir. Uh, and this is now officially the end of the show. Carlos and I will be back in two weeks with another episode. And I'm sure some of you are thinking, hey, wait a minute, you fuckers. This was a weekly show. What happened? Yeah, I know. Um, we are now switching to a bi-weekly format, at least for the time being. Uh, because I need to get used to the editing process. And I need to figure out how the new reality of doing the show is going to work into my schedule. Uh, I, the kind of guy that I am, I would rather promise a bi-weekly show and deliver a bi-weekly show than promise weekly and not deliver. That would make me feel terrible. You guys would not be able to count on me. I would hate that. 
I am a man of my word. I don't know. I don't know how many people know this, but like, there's almost nothing in the world I I hate more than breaking my word, and I will do anything possible to not break my word. Like, and and I, if I give you my promise, if I say something, like you can count on me in the real world. I am. I will do what I say. Like I am that guy. So if I say weekly and I can't deliver weekly, I'm not going to say that. So I'm saying bi-weekly and uh, I will make whatever efforts I need to, to make sure this happens at least bi-weekly. And if it goes well, who knows? But for now, bi-weekly. Anyway, new co-host, new show, new schedule. Um, but we still would love your comments and questions for me or for Carlos. Um, if any of you have any messages for Corey, we can read those off on the show. Uh, same address as before, so video games podcast at gmail.com. And of course, you can still post comments for us at gamecritics.com after the show goes up. We are on Twitter still collectively at so video games, but you can reach us individually. Carlos, uh, where can people find you in the vast network of social media that is the current world? First off, I want to give Corey a shout out. Thank you so much for allowing me uh, to visit and co-host and be a part of this podcast. Uh, you're awesome. And just want to give him a quick shout out. Secondly, yeah, I'm on Twitter, O-N-A-W-A, Onawa. That's my uh, Apache name. It means wide awake. YouTube.com slash a lot of things. Uh, that's my YouTube channel. And I'm actually going to be adding a new show called Stuck in the Walls. Uh, where I play games the wrong way very soon. So check that out. <laughs> and uh, that's it. And then this podcast. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, for me, same information as always. It's uh, my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. That's on Twitter. That's also on Instagram. Just remember, it's all A's, no O's. And that is it for us coming in just under the wire here. Thanks again for joining us on this new direction for so video games and again um shout out to Corey motley who was the co-host for like three years helped me get this thing off the ground was like the backbone was the actual vertebrae of this creature called so video games this show would not be here without Corey, and he is dearly missed Corey. so yeah Corey motley i would like to kind of dedicate this show to Corey. if that's all right with you carlos do it i'm dedicating it as well all right i'm sure he's listening so Corey, if you're out there hope you enjoyed the show and, Corey, if you have uh, thoughts, comments, ideas, feedback, you can always reach out and let us know what you think of the new <laughs> show. Um, but we will be back in two weeks. In the meantime, this is Bye from Brad. Bye for Carlos. See you next time.